0: Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market and cute talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host Art Aldridge, and this week in production, the Iditarod has ended. In the Twip Studio, joining me live. Mr. Tom Chartran and Christian Schlicht. Hey, Art. We're really here, right? It's great to be back. You are literally... (laughs) We're in the back of the Sprinter at Newark Airport recording this. (laughs) You've just landed from the Iditarod experience, as we call it. And I thought we would just take, you know, a half hour or four to uh, break down (laughs) your experience on uh, this year's race. I I should tell you this as well. This will serve as your deposition for the lawsuit. (laughs) So anything you say will be used against you in a court of law. (laughs) So yeah, this year was, we knew it was going to be a different experience and it even turned into like for you, Christian, your job
1: title changed. Last minute, just (laughs) so on par for as
0: As as typical as this is for Iditarod and, and you're only seeing this, you know, in year two, but it's like this every year really um one of the eng camera operators got hurt like the day before the, the day shoot, before deployment yeah the day before the shoot starts and i get a message from you saying hey uh, i'm not going to be running a live camera i'm going to be shooting eng with uh with the lead uh, group i was like what what so tell me how did how did that all go down and
1: and what was going through your head yeah so it started uh the night before the the race start slash deployment day which is two in the same this year and uh like you said the eng camera operator um had a little bit of an incident got hurt and he couldn't support the weight of the eng camera on his shoulder so basically um i was recruited up from live stream to eng camera i was asked do you think you could do this and uh, you know me I don't like to say no to a challenge So I said yeah I was like let's do it I'll give it my best shot And uh, went straight into it At the race start well, Luckily I, mean, I was on sticks to start but. Right I mean but we literally had Like 12
2: hours And everybody jumped in around you It was kind of a neat scene Everybody was like Oh this is how you do this This is how we approach that Everybody really was rallying to You know give you the perspective of Of how that element of the job is done You know you've seen the cuts before But never really
1: you know done it 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 was a completely different yeah. uh, perspective of shooting that I've never done before, or vaguely scratched the surface.
0: Right, of. and have you ever used an ENG camera, like a shoulder mount, like that? The, the camera you were using was a Panasonic P two camera, yeah, which is like a you know t- like the typical two thirds inch shoulder mount ENG. Like, is that a, a probably not a camera you've used before?
1: Not not that style. I think I've used similar like camcorder style ones, but no. So that was a whole new bag
0: and, and I know how you are and, and, you know, you have definitely have skills and talent, but you, you didn't hesitate. It sounds like to put your hat in the ring.
1: No, because like I said, I love a good challenge. So, um, you know, being able to learn something like that as complicated as an ENG camera is versus a traditional cinema camera. Um, it's a challenge and, you know, having to learn to focus in black and white, um, or the different, you know, uh, workflow. Point, Yeah.
2: Sequence, sequential yeah, shooting, sequential shooting, loading shooting metadata, for the edit. yeah.
1: Stuff like that. And, uh, like Tom said that the first night once I was recruited, it was like, let's go downstairs, practice, quick shoot, uh, zoom, zoom in, zoom out, focus, night, time shooting. Yeah. Having to Headlamps. rack focus and exposure at the same time, stuff like that. It was, it was quite fascinating to re- see like, wow, these guys do this every year. And like, it kind of it was a bit it was exciting for me to see that my colleagues are doing this year in and year out
0: what what was interesting was I, you know it was like a two-fold thing for me because you you know you're good at at running the live stream camera just like you're good at anything that you do I so. but i was losing your yeah. position from from my from team from your element and i was basically given a wounded duck to run <laughs> you know the live stream camera so i was a little you know Disappointed that I wasn't, you know, right. given all my resources, and um, but I was watching in my live stream view. I would watch you run out and shoot the mushers coming in, you know, just in the camera's view. I could see you hustling in and out. I'm like, he's earning his keep, you know, on this year's race
1: all the way. There's yeah. a, in addition to it, the technology being completely different. There's a whole physical aspect. That is there that it's not present with the live camera and looping back to what you said about being disappointed because I saw and read last year from the fans about how exciting having a, you know, a camera panning, tilting, zooming for the live stream was for them really like bringing the essence of the race to them and their following homes. following the action. So yeah. not being able to be a part of that this year was a bit of a disappointment, you know, so I, uh, I kept that in my pocket and always thought about that throughout the whole race your true
0: evaluation though and then i heard all good things about your your work Mm -hmm. ethic and all of that so nothing to be ashamed of but your true evaluation will not come until the documentary is finished and then the full critique of your work will be um displayed
1: Uh, i'll i guess i'll know if i did well if there's a credit with my name in the movie (laughs) if your
0: name is spelled wrong that's not a good sign
2: last year it was spelled wrong <laughs>
1: It'll all go downhill from there.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so in in um so that was one wrinkle that came up. It was a little surprising for everybody. I mean, yeah. I didn't hear about it until you told me. Yeah. So that was kind of odd. And we had a little, you know, I think this year was the first year I think that the the documentary production butted heads a bit with the live stream production in the sense that we were. Um, not always in harmony with uh, our objectives. And, and that's a deeper philosophical conversation than we're going to get into for this podcast. But from the live streaming standpoint, Tom, yeah. you were also being thrown into a uncharted water for yourself. You were basically flying solo
2: as the me on the ground. Exactly. And I've always had that comfort level of you being on the ground. So when I needed to figure something out, it was as easy as saying, hey, Art, you know, and, you know, luckily we were connected by, you know, telephone if something went down, but it was a new challenge for me.
0: From your vantage point, just yeah. on the three the 30,000 foot view, as they say, from your vantage point, how would you say the technical aspect went from your side, from your perspective?
2: I felt really good about it. Things set up well. We were able to maintain connections. We had some challenges out in the field with GCI and the satellite technology that we were able to get through. And those were the kind of things that you always seem to find a way to get through. And it just happens magically everyone's like okay we're connected again so figuring out the logistics of who do i call what do i do how do i round this corner with no you know aid at three in the morning you know those were the kind of challenges that i was happy to figure out and we kept things going we always had a camera to go to and uh for me personally that was an achievement that made it you know a really interesting and different you know kind of thing and being there alone doing it all on my own it was it was it was you know enriching
0: and if you want to hear about the trials and tribulations of week one of the I did I'd listen to last week's episode of this week in production, <laughs> Tom and I talked about it. You were actually live on you know your control room shift and we talked about all the crazy circumstances that came up, you know, <laughs> just trying to get the streams on the air. The weather this year was different than it has been uh, in years past. like right. I said I've been you know going up there for fourteen years. I think only the first four years would I ever say was cold and snowy like I would expect. Really, the last 10 in Anchorage, at least, and even on the trail, it's been relatively calm. Mm -hmm. This year, it was not. Let's start with Christian, because you were out in many of the checkpoints. What was the weather like, and how did that impact just your ability to
1: function? So The first night at Finger Lake checkpoint, it was somewhere around minus 15 or 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is cold, but when you have the right gear, minus 15, minus 20, also with a minus 40 or 60 sleeping bag, isn't as cold as one might think. It takes a day to acclimate to that type of weather, right?
2: right. But
1: that temperature didn't throw too many curveballs at us, you know, mentally and with our gear. It wasn't until we got two checkpoints up the trail at Over, um, the first night we got minus 42 Fahrenheit. That was where the physic physical burden started to set in. Um, you can't operate these cameras with mittens. You have to operate them with a thin, insulate glove, and there's no glove for that's that thin for minus forty degrees. Not weather. that's gonna
0: keep you warm. No,
1: it's right. obviously it'll be better than a bare hand, in the sense that the metal on metal, the metal on hand contact will be prevented from happening. But your hands go numb. It's a it's a burn. It's a numbness tingling that there's nothing like it, Um, but a big part of its attitude. You can't go out there and say this is I'm miserable. I I hate this. You know, you just gotta have fun with it. Suit up the best you can. Wear your gear, and um, you know, prevail.
0: Were Were you prepared as far as your gear for the weather?
1: Oh yeah, I have. You know, I have a big Marmot parka. I have all the base layers, lightweight, midweight, heavyweight. balaclavas that are meant for expedition type stuff, um, beanies, double socks. I just bought a brand new pair of Baffin boots for this year. They, they did well. Um, and this is the first time I've actually used toe warmers and have them. I knew they were working because my heel was cold and I could feel my toes, (laughs) but my heel was cold.
0: Now I know one of the differences this year for you because of the COVID and all the protocols, you were basically in tents. Right. You didn't have infrastructure nope. the way that we normally do. So how is that? How is it like when you're done working, it wasn't like you had warm shelter necessarily to go back to.
1: Right. So I was brief from the start that these tents, they're called Arctic ovens. They're usually propane, oil or wood stove fired. hours were propane that the, the heat doesn't bring it to like a 60 degree, 70 degree house. It brings it to like 10 above. But like I said, 10 degrees in a minus 40 bag is perfect. You're comfortable. You know, you can sleep. You're not worried about the cold. But as you know from years, years of experience with this, that there's not really a sleep schedule on the trail. It's, oh, I have two hours until the next musher. Let me sleep for an hour. Catch a
2: nap. It's, yeah. it's
1: sleep when you can. so sometimes it would be at 2 a.m. and you could sleep for an hour and it would be at the peak coldness or it would be at noon and it would be you know 1020 degrees above. So I don't think it was that miserable. It didn't impact you it wasn't in a that, negative way. It didn't it didn't wasn't that impactful, correct? And it wasn't until the next night in Ophir, cuz I stayed there for two nights um we got minus 58 degrees Fahrenheit. And then once you break that minus 50 Fahrenheit, uh minus 50 Fahrenheit threshold that's when everything starts to go including well, your technology because right. these these cameras, these P2 cameras are workhorses, without a doubt. They're strong. They can handle the snow. But at minus 50 plus, they just. Anything. Not, not even yeah. just Panasonic. Yeah, the, like the Literally don't, any yeah. gear.
0: Yeah. Any gear. So on that point, I'll, I'll swivel to Tom. So you had a different experience this year. Normally, you are out on the trail.
2: Right. right. This
0: year, you were in. Uh, Anchorage, and then at the finish, which is two hours north of uh, Anchorage in this uh, Deshka landing. Um, I don't know if that's the name of the town or just the location. It's the
2: location on the Deshka. Is it the river or the lake? And so it was great, and it was a great area to line everybody up and have all the teams come in. And even that element was different with COVID. You know, the teams didn't gather. They didn't uh, socialize. It was just a whole different feel with COVID.
0: So you basically were set up in an RV, right? And the RV was supposed to be dedicated to you. There were two, one was for the uh, documentary team, the right. uh, insider team. And then the other RV was supposed to be dedicated for the live streaming right. work, but that didn't really um, manifest itself that way. But what was it like working? Cause it wasn't like, Oh, we're just going to pull an RV into our paved spot and it's good. There was a lot of, weather that affected you as well
2: there was because some of those cold nights we didn't have them as bad obviously as christian didn't offer but we went down we had a couple of minus 20 nights and the first logistics problem that we came up with as i said you know they got the rvs they said you'll be all set we wired them up we had ethernet cables coming in we had fiber optics for the camera coming in we had you know all sorts of connections and things going in and out xlr's for audio on site so i said when this runs out of gas or runs out of propane what do we do and our contact there said well we'll just drive it off site fill it up real quick and you can move the equipment to another rv and i'm like no that can't happen we can't easily not easily anyway i can't be down for an hour and a half because we needed that camera 24 7 when you were on your shift down here and so we came up with a few workarounds and the last couple of nights it got pretty cold you know i went i actually stayed in the RV. When I finally got my sleep time, you know, closed off the door, put a little oil heater where I was, stayed warm, and the RV barely fired up the next day. You know, we had the equipment going, but there were little things like that that we had to work around. Everything's about workarounds on the trail, whether you're, you know, out at the checkpoints or you're. Yeah, doing... that's
0: the nature of I did a It is really is. Workaround.
2: Right. And just as far as laying the fiber, you know, it wasn't as easy. It wasn't as simple as just saying, okay, I'm going to get the fiber from my RV fifty feet across from here. We're in a place where there's snow machines all day going. People are going all hours of the day and night. So we had to run it through a you know, trench it and conduit. And I spooled out about eight hundred feet of fiber to get it a hundred feet across the parking lot because we didn't want anybody running over it. And that was
0: I appreciate tough. that. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> You should have seen me untrenching it with the shovel yesterday. Did we just lose it a couple times when we saw the arc of that shovel going down? It's like,
0: wait a minute. (laughs) It is tactical fiber, but I'm not sure what happens when it's 50 below.
2: It, you know, it was very pliable. I was really surprised because you know the other cables and things that we've worked with get very brittle. Even when it came out of the icy, as it had been pounded on, it was still very, very pliable. So
0: I, I will say this: that the lessons I've learned about Electronic and cables and the fragility of these things in the cold from the Iditarod has benefited me in all of the other warmer climate jobs right. that I do because you just don't take for granted that you can be rough with a you know a cable or something like
2: absolutely treat it
0: differently especially when it's at that temperature
2: right the things that people just wouldn't normally think about so quality gear and making sure you're you've got some you know stability for the future is is it's worth the extra buck
0: so you both survived the the elements and the work let's just get some specifics on the on the technology that you use what worked what didn't work from your standpoint christian i know you didn't have your hand in every aspect but you've you saw most of the stuff that we had out there what 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 were you most impressed with with the equipment And what was a big disappointment so i was i guess i'll
1: start with the disappointments because those stand out worse yeah always they always do it could
0: be people too Tom's here. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Um, so, in, in terms of gear being disappointment or a disappointment, uh, I would say we use we use these older Anton Bauer Hytrons. Yeah, and they're a great battery; they last long. But there's these this issue, and I'm not sure if other gold mount style batteries would have it. But when they get to a certain temperature, they have a hold on them, which doesn't allow them to charge we try to keep them as warm as we can and swap them out when they start to get low. But uh, in Nikolai one night it was minus 25. It was more damp than it was. There was a lot more humidity in the air. And it just like at 2 a.m. Like I was on my last battery and that died. And I was like, nothing's charging. We don't have any batteries. And it was just like, pull the plug on the night, go to bed because we just could not shoot and
2: get them up to a temperature where they could take a charge. And
1: And I don't handle not, there being work to do and not being able to do it well, it stresses me out. It's like there, we should be out there shooting right now, and we couldn't. And uh, that was a bit of a letdown. It's it's all weather related. The disappointments. the The viewfinder kicks out on the cam- the Panasonic camera in very cold weather, and uh, it just you have to switch to this little LCD monitor that becomes so laggy. It's that we call, they call it ghosting, and basically right. it's like a drop frame type yeah, it's of streaky. It, it's streaky. So. If you put a hand warmer on it, it helps. But being the live stream guy switching last minute to an ENG camera, I was troubleshooting a lot of the time for the live stream guys because they were not familiar with it. I found myself encountering a bunch of issues with weather or uh, connection. Um, The two that stand out is that we use these new style Sony camcorders. It's like a prosumer level you know uh, budgetary budgetary constraints, absolutely so. yeah um that power cord snapped just from sheer cold um that was an issue we didn't have batteries for it, obviously because the batteries are so small on that but you know not ha- being able to have a live stream for an hour to, while we fixed that cable and then the last thing was just uh, a satellite issue is we lost our generator in ophir so when that happens, we can't call anyone because we don't have internet to call. We rebooted the generator and everything was firing. The computers gave us an IP address. The Apple airports and the fly packs were giving us green lights, which means internet connection. But the second you went on, it would just say server unavailable on everything, cell phone, laptop. We tried different connections. I would, un- I would disconnect the Intenor packs to make sure we were just bypassing that straight out of the land on the modem into the computer couldn't make no it internet connection luckily our one of our snow machine guys were there and he had a sat phone and i called tom on it t- for 20 minutes i was outside it was more to- than that
2: you were you were out in the freezing
1: cold for yeah. 45 minutes with me that was the most and we were on the play. phone with
2: gci support and long story short it, it took three hours all yeah. of a sudden it magically came up yeah, and but just, you did just, all the right just stuff.
0: Just out of sympathy for you, he was in the bar for those forty-five minutes. I know, having a second d- yeah. drink.
1: I was warming my he my just insides. was yeah. concerned. I was barehanded too, and uh, he I, was double-fisted, <laughs> double shot. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had to give up on that, and that was like another disappointment because it's like it wasn't my job this year because switching last minute, but I have a hard time of. Letting go of an equipment failure and saying we can't do anything, so it came to that point at three o'clock in the morning after being out there for forty-five minutes right. with no gloves on. In the min- that was the minus fifty-five night.
0: What about from your standpoint, Tom? What were the winners and losers in the technology on your end?
1: You know, I think I think the satellite
2: technology was was frustrating because we had. The only issues we really had were the latency between the signal, and so there were so many delays, and it took us a couple of days to really nail it down. One day. What was it, it one, was day? one day? It was one day. It
0: seemed longer, but I, I went back and looked, and we really had it figured out by the end of
2: Monday. It so felt it, Then it felt like it was longer, it and did. I'll stay with that in the it court did. of law when it comes to… that (laughs) your honor your honor defense rests (laughs) but you know and that was a little bit frustrating and i think getting the timing down and some of these live hits we were doing it felt like i could never quite get the timing three two one and then you count one two three four five before you actually go to it and it took me a little while to get that feel and that was frustrating because like christian i wanted to be right i wanted to look right the first time so you know little things like that you know and then just the the everyday challenges of, Oh, a a camera's cold. You got to reset something, but we always made things work. But I, I think the, the, the real positive was, you know, these encoders that we have are so, um, you know, uh, pliable. You can do so much with them between whatever connection you have. And when we came up for the finish, you came up with the idea of trying to find a Wi-Fi, a mi fi encoder and just going Wi-Fi with it. And we were able to do those, the handheld every finisher on the finish cam that usually is just there for the documentary. And that was a big win. I mean, it worked flawlessly every time we did it. And to have things round out like that with a real win visually for the subscriber base and all that, I think that that was a real... Uh, satisfaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's different for me from the standpoint of I'm in both rooms. I, I'm in the production room right. with you guys and I'm in the room with the fans hearing what they're saying. So I'm, I'm hearing it on both sides. I hear the problems that production's having and then I'm seeing the impact or the reaction that the fans have and it's like a double whammy for me sometimes because I'm like, oh, they're really upset. Like when we didn't have like at the finish, we only had the microphone that the right. the MC, the Checker, as we call her, uh, who announces the team coming in and gives us little factoids. The MC of the finish, we only had the handheld mic for her. Right. And when she had it off, like she's been basically trained, don't have it on until you're ready to speak. The fans don't get to hear anything.
2: Right, they, they only like get the to chatter. hear when
0: when the mic comes on and then it goes off. Right, and they got really upset that we weren't hearing people cheering or getting ready. They they could see the visuals, but they wanted to hear. They wanted the whole experience. Right, and I was like, Yeah, I get it. Like last year, we had GoPros hanging in the center of the shoot. Right, right on the arch. We didn't have that this year because we couldn't have it this year we
2: there was no structure to put them on right there was no
0: structure and i upgraded the cameras from gopros to these these marshall povs but they don't have microphones like the gopros right so we had to scramble a little bit yeah and borrow a microphone off one of the cameras and then bring the sound in, we had to run a cord, we didn't have a long enough cable, we had to borrow a cable from the more trenching,
2: More trenching under the snow machines. So lots
0: of little things <laughs> like that. So yeah. I think I think for me, the the winners were definitely the Intenor the ah. servers and the fact that we could work in two different control rooms and yes. share the signals was a big thing. The latency was tricky, but not, it was better because last year yep. it was 16 seconds of latency. This year was only eight because we took all the cloud piece Exactly. Out of it. Right. But even with the cellular versus the Wi Fi on the satellite or the Wi Fi at the uh the local telco. Yes. There was about a four second latency that was, between that was better. those two technologies. Right. So you couldn't just mix the audio. It got tricky.
2: You got the double audio that night. It yeah. got
0: tricky <laughs> there. So we had to do a little bit of things. But I think the the Intonor stuff was great. That technology was great. The Unity intercom was a bit of a bust, and not for
2: I was lack say of that too. Yeah.
0: not for lack of uh, quality in the product. I just think you need a really strong network mm-hmm. to make it work. And of course, the camera guys weren't always able to use it because if the phone's in your pocket and you need to say something, you can't always reach into your pocket easily and right. do it. We had one, I'm going to use the term, don't hold me to it, camera operator. (laughs) We had one that um, would put his phone on top of the camera, on speakerphone. And every time I would give him a direction, I would hear my voice on the live stream.
2: And that loud beep before it. so
0: the unity part wasn't great i think we would have to work a little harder at a different system maybe belt packs or something for next year which is all possible can be done and i think that um i was a little disappointed that our talent didn't use their ifbs yeah one out of the three did but it makes things easier when you can just talk directly to somebody as opposed to having a relay through a camera operator so i was a little disappointed about that but i think and you tell me, for me, being here, working from home was was great. I mean, really great. But the fact that we were able to split the shift made yeah. a big difference for me. I don't know how it was for you.
2: It For me, it was great. And I think if there's any negative from it, it's all perceptions. Because the team is used to you being on site. And I think that was the only thing. I think our communication was, was good. Not everybody, no matter how many times I told them, I'm with you from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. And Art's here after that. (laughs) There was still confusion. Yeah. I forgot a lot. I'm sure you did. No,
0: I would get calls from the snow machine guys at all hours of the night. I'm like, it's not my shift.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that became a thing at the end where they're like, is it your shift, Tom? Is it your shift? Did you get enough sleep?
0: (laughs) But honestly and and as hard as it is for like christian's position and those guys believe me like the Phils and the Ians the guys that go out on the snow yeah. machines I mean that was pretty much how you were this year and since you were just out there uh, I have much respect for that but when you have to run this animal this control room with limited sleep there are too many things that you have to remember to do right it's hard. Yeah, and the ability to have a twelve-hour shift, and and be able to concentrate, and then know that you're not going to have to get woken up after three hours
2: to go record right. something,
0: because then if you mess it up,
2: no one wins. Because right. you did it twenty-four seven before, so that it was twenty-four was yeah. seven. It was
0: very hard. So I liked this split shift. Yep. And for me, because I had the Unity on my uh, phone, right, and on my control room computer. And I had my iPad, which we'll talk about probably on another podcast about the Mimo Live and the way the remote control surface works. I could basically take my phone and my iPad out to my my Kamado Joe. (laughs) There's
2: priorities.
0: (laughs) I could smoke ribs and still switch and hear all the stuff going on. And
2: that was really... Did you have a GoPro going on that?
0: I did not I wish you did. I did not. And <laughs> if that's in a court of law, I was in front of my desk the whole time. <laughs> but it was just nice to be you use the technology. So right. I didn't have to completely be and I literally was locked in. I didn't drive my car for two weeks. Right. I didn't leave. I didn't go anywhere for the two weeks that the race right. was going on. I was locked in here. People, you know, I think my kids were a little confused. Right. Daddy's home. He comes up you know, like go to the bathroom, and make a coffee, yeah. and then we don't see him again. <laughs> but I asked him. I said, "Is it better that Daddy's here and you don't see me as much, or is it is it better if I just leave and come back a month later?" I'm like, no, it's better if you're here, right? So, right. It, that part was great for me. I don't know honestly that I could ever go back to an RV
2: at twenty below. You would not have liked it. No, I can I tell you, have. you would not. Would but what have. was nice too about having those shifts was that. You know, even though you got a little bit of sleep on the off time, you were able to do other things because we're dealing with the race judges, the coordinators, and we have to make things happen. you know, because we wear more than one hat. We're not just streaming in a control room. We're part of the the flow of production.
0: There's lots of stuff yeah, that has yeah. to get done and and when you don't have all the brain power functioning, some of that stuff usually would go by the wayside or right. it would be errors,
2: right. So hopefully there were less errors this year.
0: I think there were less errors. I think overall it was a win. I know not everyone on the team would agree with that, but I think overall it was a win.
2: Careful, you're recording.
0: I am recording. I am saying that publicly. (laughs) Uh, It's good to have you guys back. What's the first thing? I know you're going to sleep, Christian. You're literally asleep in the chair.
1: I am. Yeah, I'm very exhausted.
0: How long will you sleep for?
1: Two Um, days? No, I'll probably sleep for 10 hours. 10 hours. Yeah, once I get home. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what what's the first thing that you're going to do that like are you like oh i gotta have a beer or i gotta kiss my girl i gotta like what's the first thing that you are looking forward to doing
1: oh I, i'm i flying to florida in 36 hours to go defrost and and see my girlfriend yeah so that's that's my uh, that's your motivation that's my motive <laughs> that's my that's that's keeping me sane that's kept for, me alive. for
0: for many years 'Cause I, I had season tickets for the Mets for many years, New York Mets. And the one thing that would get me through the dark, dark hours of I did or I was knowing I was gonna come home and I was gonna go to opening day with my kids. Right. And that was the thing that I would always look forward to. So I get the Florida thing; like it's a little motivator for you, Tom. You're also getting on another airplane.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I am. I am. We, the first year I did this with you, my my wife came up and met me here in New Jersey with bags packed and said, "We're going somewhere." book it because I'm driving to Logan Airport and so it's always become sort of a tradition and it didn't happen last year obviously because of COVID but we're going down to the to the U.S. Virgin Islands and going to spend a few days down there just you know getting warm again and, and getting them so what but what I'm looking most forward to is a delicious steak with you tonight and then driving my jeep home that I haven't touched for two weeks and uh and giving my wife a kiss when I get there don't look at the mileage on your jeep oh I was surprised it was still here I thought you'd have it sold <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Tom and Christian, welcome home. Thank you. You've survived Iditarod 49. Will you come back for Iditarod 50 if you're
1: asked? 1,000%. Tom. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Uh, You're on the record.
1: Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Will you?
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) Chaz.
0: All right. For this week in production, I'm Art Aldridge.
2: Tom Chartrand. Christian Schlicht.
0: Good night. Do you have something to say? drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message, 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play so please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.